Thank you for listening to this week's message from New Day Community Church in Vandalia. We hope this message encourages and blesses you. Look us up and contact us at newdaycommunity.org. Well, we are beginning our uh, the second half of our year-long series, which is really about spiritual growth. And when we were talking about how to structure a, a, a year-long series, we, we uh, realized there's really three primary components. There's the inward component, which we've been talking about for the last four months, which is getting the God stuff in you, letting it go deep. Uh, most often it's called sanctification. And so we talked about Bible and prayer and all the different disciplines and things of, of uh, reorienting our understanding of how God wants to go deep healing issues. Today is the first uh, Sunday of the second trimester, the middle part, in which we're going to take four months and talk about the upward journey. Uh, And what that is really about is knowing, getting to know God better. Our journey upward is the journey into the knowledge and experience, important that the word knowledge and experience in uh, Christ, in uh, 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 true Christianity, all information or all teaching or all knowledge should lead to some kind of experience. Uh, God and the purpose of Christianity is not just to teach you ideas. It's to teach you ideas that bring you into a place where you encounter God, and that it's the encounter that changes people. All right, knowing information generally doesn't provide or uh, much uh, change, but if you meet somebody, if you encounter God, it's impossible to not change. And so, most Christianity, unfortunately, most Christians think it's just about the information, and they settle for just information. And they think if they get enough information, their lives will get better. But information is meant to lead to an encounter. Kind of like directions or a recipe. Uh, let's say I, like, I did this teaching once, I talked about this, and you know, I handed out everybody a recipe for chocolate chip cookies. <clears throat> you know, and if you're looking at the recipe, you have all the information. But it doesn't taste good, right? Well, while I was teaching, I had someone in the kitchen bake chocolate chip cookies. And so, halfway through the sermon, everybody started smelling that wonderful smell. There's nothing like it, you know. And at the end of the service, we handed out fresh-baked chocolate chip cookies to everyone. And so the experience trumps the information Right? A thousand percent. Same, that is true in the natural to teach us a spiritual truth that you need to not settle for information, but allow the information to bring you into an experience. Oh my goodness, I've talked for all this time on my point two, which was in the introduction. <laughs> Second Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18 uh, says, so all of us, and this is concerning the upward journey, I want you to have an understanding, this is just an introduction to the upward journey. Um, so all of us who have had the veil removed, okay, and so the veil that he's talking about there, he was talking about previous verses about the Jews who still have a veil, 
the Hebrews the old, uh, that were still practicing old, the law and the Old Covenant, they can't see the glory of God. They can't see what Jesus came to, to, to show us because there's a veil. That, that's, they're like blinded to it. But if you come to Christ, whether you're Hebrew or a Jew or Gentile, doesn't matter. If you come to Christ, the veil is removed. And we can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, so it's the work of the Holy Spirit, God coming through His Spirit, makes us more and more like Him as we are changed into His glorious image. All right? How many want to be made more and more like Him? Come on, right? This verse says that the way that that happens is by seeing Him. When we behold Him, we become like Him. And the Holy Spirit, when we look at Jesus, when we look at the Father, when we look at the Holy Spirit, uh, uh, beholding Him, looking at them, uh, is to uh, uh, cause a transformation in our minds, in our souls, in our spirits, and ultimately in our bodies. That's the way it works. And so looking at the attributes of God is going to be what we're going to do over the next two months. And uh, we've just identified, uh, I think it's eight or nine of the primary attributes of God, characteristics uh, about uh, God that really uh, 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 encapsulate an understanding of who God is. And then we're going to study those in light of becoming more like Him. And so when we look at next week, I think it's God's love and mercy. We want to be more loving and more merciful. How do we become more merciful and loving? By examining, by looking at, at Jesus, looking at the love of God. And when we see it, we reflect it. All right? And so we become like God by looking at Him. <clears throat> right, but uh, I want to uh, focus today and just encourage us and get us uh, have a vision for the pursuit, <clears throat> for going after God in this upward journey. <clears throat> Clearly defined goals enables you or I, anyone, uh, to develop disciplines that will achieve the goal. All right? And so just, just take a step back and talk about how uh, pursuit happens uh, and, and get an idea of this. So one thing that's really important is that we, that we have a, the right goal and that that goal is clearly defined. And if we lack having the right goals or if our goals are fuzzy, not clear, then it, uh, the result of it is a lack of discipline. We're not going to be structured. We're not going to be disciplined. And it's just going to lead to frustration and failure. Does that make sense? <clears throat> if you don't have good goals, you don't, you know, you'll never hit a target. Uh, you'll never get a bullseye if, if you don't have a target, right? <laughs> we all understand that, you know? If you're like, uh, boy, I want to go on a great vacation. Where are you going to go? Oh, well, I don't know yet. You know? No, you need to know where you're going to go. All right? Um, uh, you want to start a business. What kind of business? Well, I don't know. I just want to do something. Well, good luck with that. <laughs> you know, you need to know what you want to do. And then, and then that gives you then the motivation to develop disciplines that will get you to that goal. A few years ago, this is actually about 10 or 12 years ago, I set a pretty audacious goal. <clears throat> uh, I, most of you don't know this. Uh, some of you may know this. I've told this story to some of you. I don't think I've ever put it in a sermon here before. But, uh, you know, this is where we live. You ever recognize that? 
Recognize that? <laughs> got it. Sometimes you got to give me some feedback so I know you're <laughs> We're here. you're not uh, uh, surfing the internet there on your phone. <laughs> right? That's uh, that's the state of Michigan, and um, uh, I had actually ridden my bicycle from Kalamazoo to the Upper Peninsula when I was. Uh, in my early 20s, and I thought, well, can I do it in my mid-40s? <clears throat> and I did. So that's the route I took uh, on my bicycle, not my motorcycle. <clears throat> it's almost a thousand miles, just under. Uh, and I did it in nine days. Okay, and that, I did, there was a break, because I had a, a issue come up and I had to come back, and it was like a year later that I went up and finished the final leg of it. And so, <clears throat> um, uh, by myself on a bicycle, rode the road, the bicycle, the road closest to the lake, from Michigan City to Port Huron, <clears throat> and I had a great time. It was really good, and uh, and I've done many other trips. Uh, there's some beautiful roads on that, but I set a goal. And listen, this is how I did it. <clears throat> the uh, the idea came to me the summer before. That fall, I, I mapped it out, and uh, I, I printed out maps and identified the actual roads, and I put it, uh, I posted them on the wall next to my bed, all right? And so every night before I went to sleep, and every morning, the first thing I saw, the last thing I saw before I went to sleep, and the first thing I saw before I, when I woke up was this goal of riding the entire route. Uh, and I'd look up the roads, and I'd, and I'd visualize myself getting to the different points, and like thinking, "Wow, well, I wonder if I can make that in in one day." <clears throat> and so that then motivated me because I saw every morning to not do what I often do during the winter, which is set and get uh, uh, atrophy, uh, my muscles get weak, you know. I trained all winter. I went to the gym a lot more than I normally do. I had my bicycle set up downstairs so I could keep in shape throughout the winter. So in the spring, I was already in shape to start. I did it early summer. I actually did it started in May, uh, late May. <clears throat> and so uh, that was a clear goal, and it motivated me to stay in shape through the winter so that when, I, when the time came, I was able to do it. I actually did it in less time than I thought. So that's just an example. And I would ask you, you know, what are your goals? Most people don't live with clear goals, and most Christians don't have clear spiritual goals. But we need to, and if we don't, we won't develop the disciplines to uh, get anywhere in life. <clears throat> are your goals clear enough? to be able to give a defined, uh, clear answer. Uh, in other words, if someone asks you, so what are your goals? What are your, Christ what are your faith goals? What are you hoping to do in your life uh, spiritually this year? Uh, what are you, where do you want to be five years from now in your work, in your personal life, in your life with the Lord? You should have some, some ideas and be developing some goals and then disciplines to get there. <clears throat> Do your goals motivate you? Just like that map on the wall, it really, really motivated me. I've also routed out the route from here to our church in South Carolina, but I haven't printed it. <laughs> and I haven't put it on the wall because I'm not sure I want to even tackle it. It's about the same distance. It's just a thousand miles. 
but there's these things called mountains. <laughs> and I've never ridden a bicycle through a mountain, so. I'm not too, I'm not dead yet. I might still do it. <laughs> I have a better bicycle now than I did with my last ride, so. All right, do your goals motivate you? Uh, listen, <clears throat> or do they discourage you because they're unrealistic? Okay, so if you have unrealistic goals, uh, it can actually uh, lead to apathy. Uh, um, do your goals produce discipline? In other words, do these uh, uh, goals that you've set, do they actually motivate you to, to work on it? Goals that don't produce disciplines are just fantasies that will only produce frustration. All right? Goals that don't produce discipline are fantasies that will produce frustration. And so evaluate your goal by how it's affecting you. And this is, this is a different way to deal with Christian disciplines and even any kind of discipline, uh, life disciplines. Uh, uh, um, change your goals and your disciplines will improve. Don't just try harder. In other words, if you're, if you're saying, oh, I'm not studying the Bible enough, I'm not praying enough, or I'm not, you know, <clears throat> even if you change it, I'm not exercising enough, I'm not dieting enough, well, maybe you got the wrong goal. Find a goal that actually motivates you. All right? So if I just had the goal of, I'm going to exercise all winter, that wouldn't have motivated me. Because it never motivates me. <laughs> uh, but I had a goal of riding the entire coastline of the Lower Peninsula, something I'd never done. And that goal motivated me. You see the difference there? <clears throat> and we need to apply this to our spiritual goals as well, because just trying harder doesn't work. Now let's take this idea of goals and start talking about the goal of the upward journey and growing in God. Paul talks about this in the book of Philippians. And remember, Paul was sitting in jail writing to the church in Philippi uh, uh, these words uh, and expressing his deepest uh, 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 thoughts about what it means to live the Christian life. Um, this is one of my favorite parts of Scripture. Philippians chapter 3 verse 7, actually 7 through 15, <clears throat> but we're going to start go through this verse by verse. So uh, verse 7 and 8 says, But what things were gained to me, these things I have counted lost for Christ. Yet indeed I count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ. You know, the things that he was talking about, and if you read the previous verses, he lists a whole bunch of accomplishments um, that set him apart and above pretty much everyone else in his culture, in his, uh, in, 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 as being a Jew. He was, he was beyond exceptional. He was the top of the class. He was zealous. He, he, was, uh, he says, according to the law, he was blameless. Uh, as a Pharisee, and they were the most strict in adherence to all of the laws of the Old Testament. He says, I've never broke any of those laws. Uh, but all of those things now, in the light of the life of Jesus Christ, he says, those things are, are rubbish. All right? Paul could boast more than anyone about outward performance, but he realized that those things didn't count. Right? All things are lost. Everything that he had put his hope in, amen, some uh, sound effects there. 
<laughs> everything that he had put his hope in, uh -huh, and being zealous outwardly, actually turned out to be worthless. Uh, and it changed, this radically changed his understanding of God <clears throat> and what God required. Yeah. All right? Uh, <laughs> he's, he's <gonna> <clears throat> So the same thing is with, uh, as I've said, if you're training or you're uh, dieting or you're, you're wanting to get better grades in school or you want to improve your business, you need to understand that uh, the goal isn't just the disciplines of doing things right. It's, it's what those disciplines uh, produce. Uh, uh, that's, that is a better motivator. Um, without the proper goal, the discipline is merely, merely legalism. And that's what Paul realized. Oh, this whole thing that we've been doing and the whole re religion, now not the Old Covenant, not the Old Testament, not the Bible, but what the Pharisees and the Sadducees had made it into had uh, become just legalism. And unfortunately, that same spirit of legalism just keeping all the laws and the rules and doing everything the right way has uh, been reproduced in much of the church. And often that's what we come to Christ thinking. That's what we come to church thinking. Oh, i got to learn how to do everything right. And if I do everything right, then God will bless me. That's a legalism. Right? It's a trap. It doesn't produce the results. Because Paul says, listen, I did all of those rules and it didn't get me anywhere. And actually, listen to this, the rules become an idol. Yes. All right? Christian rules can become an idol. And they worship the rules and not the rule maker. Not what the rule is supposed to produce in us, which is a relationship with God. Uh, <clears throat> stuff like reading your Bible, praying, worshiping, going to church, fellowship, all those things are disfasting. Uh, all of those things are valuable Christian disciplines. Okay? But they're not the goal. The goal is not to just read the Bible. Read the Bible, read the Bible from beginning to end. Read the Bible every day. Well, that's all good. That's important. But if your goal for reading the Bible isn't to get to know God, if your goal is just to read the Bible, it's not going to produce a, a, an excitement, a passion. And it's going to end up becoming just a, a, a legalistic trap and possibly even an idol. You think, like the Pharisees, Jesus said, you search the Scriptures because in them you think you have eternal life. So they, they memorized the Old Testament, guys. Memorized Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Leviticus. Can you imagine memorizing Leviticus? Most of us can't have it. We have our time reading it. Okay? They can recite it. And Jesus said, you, you did all that work and you didn't get the, and you missed the point. Because they are those which testify of me. In other words, the whole purpose of the Bible is to introduce you to the person, Jesus Christ. Another place it says, the end of the law or the purpose of the law and the law referring to the written word of God is love. Right? Which means a relationship. Not just understanding, not just truth, not just ideas. 
Okay, <clears throat> so these disciplines aren't the goal. Uh, Christians fail. We often fail uh, at these disciplines because they make the discipline a goal and it becomes an idol. And God doesn't like idol worship. Idol worship, uh, even if, if it's a Christian, if the idol looks like a Christian or if the idol is the Bible, it's still an idol. Okay, the Bible, we don't worship the Bible. I honor the Bible. I revere the Bible. What the Bible brings me to Jesus. I worship Jesus. All right. Very, very, very important. It changes how you look at the Bible, changes how you look at prayer, uh, changes how you look at worship. Oh, I don't really like singing these songs. or I don't like this song. I don't like this kind of music. Who cares? The point isn't the music. The point is connecting with God. And throughout Scripture, it says singing, declaring God's goodness is a way we connect. And so if I'm looking to connect with God, I can worship at any type of uh, church service. <clears throat> All right. So disciplines are, are tools that facilitate our journey of spiritual growth. And that's what we're talking about. And the goal is the excellence, <clears throat> the proper goal is the excellence of the knowledge of Christ. And the word knowledge here is an experiential knowledge. It's not just knowing about, it's knowing. All right, It's having interaction with. Listen, God wants you to interact with Him every single day. He's not far off. He's not hidden. He's revealed Himself. He's put His Spirit within you. Okay, He's with, Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is within your reach or within you. It's right there. You know, and Jesus demonstrated what a life of someone that lives in the kingdom looks like. Uh, and we are to follow his example. Everything Jesus did, he did. It says he set aside his divinity you know, when he took on humanity. Doesn't mean he wasn't God when he was man. It meant that he didn't operate out of, out of his God powers when he walked the earth. He operated as a man or a human that was just following the leading of the Father and the Holy Spirit. And so everything Jesus did, this is legit theology, pretty much everyone believes this, uh, uh, regardless of your denominational background, <clears throat> that Jesus, when He lived on the earth, those uh, during His ministry years, He was operating as a man. He wasn't operating out of divine power. And so the things that he did, like calm storms and pray for the sick and see them healed and teach wisdom, uh, um, were things that we can do. He lived as an example of someone that's filled with the Holy Spirit in unity with uh, the Father and constantly reflecting God's nature. And so that's the goal. Listen, that's the goal of this year's series that we become more like that, and that our lives would start to look like that. Eh? How many want to see that in our lives? Total victory uh, over every everyone that comes against us. Paul goes on and says that I may gain Christ, uh, down a little bit, and become one with Him. Uh, I no longer count on, or, or that I may gain Christ is actually part of verse eight. And become one with Him. So this idea of being in unity with Jesus to the point that they're one. That we're one. That there isn't a distinction. That it's hard to tell where Jesus ends and Cameron starts. How many think your life would change if 
Pat, would your life change if it was someone was like, where does Jesus end and where does Pat start? You know, as opposed to, there's Pat, where's Jesus? <laughs> There's a lot of Cameron there, not a lot of Jesus. I want, I want to be so one with Christ that when someone interacts with me, they go away and they're not sure they were talking to Jesus or they were talking to Cameron because we're so in unity. I no longer count on my own righteousness or doing right or obeying all the laws, right? Rather, I became or I become righteous through faith in Christ, for God's way of making us right with Himself depends on faith. Um, <clears throat> uh, living in unity relationally with Jesus Christ is the only way to be right with God. And this can only be accomplished by faith. Faith is simply coming to the place where you believe, that you accept, that you uh, accept Jesus for who He uh, said He was, and you begin to live life daily, uh, walking that out, saying, what would Jesus do? Uh, why would, uh, why, how should I respond in light of the fact that Jesus Christ rose from the dead? How should I follow Christ in this interaction with my boss or my employee or my job or my spouse or my kid? All right, it's accepting, you know, faith is, is not merely giving intellectual assent. In other words, just agreeing to what we stated in the creed earlier in the service. Yes, it includes that, but it's taking those truths and working them into our lives and living it out. <clears throat> but faith, coming to the place where you believe that and you enter into a relationship, you know, when you enter into a relationship, that's not the end. When I met my wife, uh, it became, you know, involved in a relationship, and then we got married. It wasn't the end of our relationship, thankfully. <laughs> right? It's the beginning. All right? So we made that covenant. Coming to faith is making a covenant with Christ, with God through Jesus Christ. But that's not the end. Uh, I call some people uh, Billy Graham Christians. Because every time they hear a Billy Graham crusade, of course, he's not doing them anymore, but uh, he'd come through town or they'd be on TV and they'd get saved, right? Because you know, he was a great preacher. <laughs> and they'd get saved, and then they wouldn't do anything until the next Billy Graham crusade, and then they'd get saved again. And it's like they only, they only got to the place of salvation and they never went any further. God wants us to go farther, uh, for, uh, up more, uh, uh, take our journey upward into his presence and, and this idea revolutionized Paul and it changed his life and it needs to change our life too and she says in verse 12 not that I have already attained or am already perfected but I press on everybody say press on press on, press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has laid hold of me uh, you know think of it <clears throat> if Paul at this point in his life He'd already planted countless churches. He'd done missionary work. He'd done all this stuff. He'd written uh, many of the books of the Bible, and he continues to write them. If he says that he hadn't attained, how much more should we realize, wow, I'm, I'm not there yet? Does that make sense? Yeah. If Paul needed to press on, do you need to press on? Yeah. Yes, yes, I need to press on. Uh, I press on means to pursue it means to run after something, all right? When's the last time you ever ran? I don't run much. Well, you, you run a lot, yeah. I can walk really fast. I can walk faster than my wife can run. 
And she was into jogging. She was did a 10K, actually, a couple of 5Ks, a couple of 10Ks a few years ago. And we'd go out and just for fun. I'd walk, and I would walk faster than her jogging pace. <laughs> you want to see me walk fast? Come. <laughs> I, I couldn't get her to do it anymore, but <laughs> Come travel with me when I go through an airport. Ask Anthony. He could, Anthony Davis, you've all seen him. He could not keep up with me. That's awesome. Because when I'm in an airport, I'm all about getting through the airport and nothing comes in my way. All right. Because <laughs> I don't want to miss the flight and you stuck in the airport. I can walk fast if I have to. Anyway, <clears throat> to seek eagerly. And you're really looking for something. That's what I press, man. I'm pushing into this. And, you know, it's, uh, it's, it brings us out of uh, ap- apathy. Why? Because it's a goal worth pursuing. Yes. All right? So faith is not passive, folks. It's extremely active. It's passionate, the passionate, active pursuit of relationship that I may know Him. All right? And so we may use the same disciplines, prayer, Bible study, worship, uh, you know, going to church, fellowship. All of those things are right. Those are the ways that we get there, but they're not there. They're just ways that we get there. We're on a destination, and those tools um, enable us to advance toward the goal and uh, striving with all of our might to lay hold of that for which Jesus Christ has laid over me. Paul realized, I've realized, hopefully you've realized that God has got a hold of you for a reason. And and he says, I want to get a hold of God in the same way for what God's, he's he's put something on me, he's got me for a reason, and I'm not going to give up until I accomplish that reason. All right, brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward for those things which are ahead. So there's a two-step process here. It's forgetting. You know, there's no pride. There's no arrogance. There's no accomplishment in forgetting. All right? And uh, I think we need to forget the good and the bad. Don't get stuck in the good old days. And don't get hung, yeah, don't get hung up with, with, with your failures. You're not possessed or held back or constantly obsessing about, oh, this happened to me when I was this old and this happened and that church did this and they were, treated me so bad and I really tried then. All of that stuff is in the past. Forget it! It's not going to help you. Uh, uh, you know, your past does not determine your future. Your past determines your present. In other words, you're here because of everything that's happened to you. But your future is determined by what you choose to do now. All right? How you choose to pursue God will determine where you end up. Um, And the second thing is reaching. So forgetting and then reaching, which is stretching forward. And the word actually means in time or place. So we can reach into the future we can reach forward to the place that we want to be. We can uh, strive more and more and yearn for what is next um, and learn. See, this, so this is, this is something that you need to figure out for what works for you. How do you press in? For me, it's, 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 it's reading books. It's listening to messages from people that are further along the, the journey. 
that, I, that are evidently walking closer to Jesus than what I am. And so I want to listen to them and study them and think about it and then try to replicate in my lifestyle how I can live in a way that demonstrates Christ that reflects Him more clearly. And then Kennedy says, I press toward the goal. Ah, there's the word, goal. For the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Here's a clear, defined goal, and it's the upward call. What we're calling in this part of the series is the upward journey. Uh, and he says again that he's pressing toward it three different times in this section. He talks about pressing or reaching or pressing into what God's called them to. And this prize, this goal, is not something that is earthly. It's not a new car. It's not a million dollars. It's not prestige. It's not a reputation. It's an experiential knowledge of Jesus Christ. And the upward call, the word, uh, call upward, it's an invitation. How many have ever received an invitation? I have an invitation sitting on my desk at home. It's really nicely done. Silver ink, handwritten, blue envelope. I opened it up. It's an invitation to a wedding. Problem is the wedding is in, is, is in Kiev, Ukraine. <laughs> I'd really like to go, but I don't, I don't want to go on another trip this summer. <laughs> All right. I haven't decided if I'm going to go. Yeah, I know the I know the dad, Igor, and I know the daughter was in my daughter's wedding. She came all the way from Ukraine to be part uh, of her wedding. Um, <clears throat> but I have to choose whether I'm going to respond to the invitation. And if I do, actually, if I go there, I'll I'll actually be part of the service. And I'll probably preach in a church, and it'll be great, and I'll be with friends. And then we'll have a party. Uh, it'll be fun. But if I don't, all of those benefits I forsake. Same thing with this upward call. <clears throat> He's called you upward. He's given you the invitation. But it's time for you to respond. You have to choose to journey. Uh, and, and, and this was Paul's consuming passion. And it needs to be ours as well. We need to understand what it is. And we need to be motivated by it. Finally, it says, Therefore, in verse 15, Let us, as many as are mature, have this mind. And if, anything, and if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. In other words, if you don't agree with me, God's going to convince you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He was. I mean, obviously, God chose to put it in Scripture. He, he, was, he nailed it here. But uh, uh, if you're mature, have this mind. What I think this is saying here is that maturity is not a plateau, you know, not a place you get to in life uh, of righteousness or even spiritual accomplishments where, man, I've gotten here, okay, I'm, I'm now mature. That, it just doesn't work that way. And frankly, I, I don't think that's that way in any part of life. You may be 60, 70 years old and not in, in, immature. All right? Um, uh, and certainly spiritual maturity is not a plateau. Rather, it's a skill level of pursuit of the upward call. All right? Maturity <clears throat> isn't mastery of Christian disciplines. Oh, I really know the Bible. I really know how to pray. I really know how to worship. It's the ability to, to use those disciplines to climb higher. So a mature Christian is someone who knows how to climb the mountain of God really well. All right? 
Now, how long do you have to climb? <clears throat> well, I believe maturity is a consistent or a constant upward motion toward greater intimacy and experience in relationship with the Father, in relationship with Jesus, in relationship with the Holy Spirit. When will it end? I think we have an eternity because it'll take an eternity to get to know an infinite God. God's infinite, right? How long will it take to get to know an infinite God? Forever. And so certainly as long as we're on this life, we're going to be seeking and climbing and growing and going on the upward journey. And I believe when we get to heaven, we're just going to be set free from every lingering aspect of, of this world and the curse. And we'll be able to, to go farther and far, further up, further in. The words in the, the, the Narnia, Chronicles of Narnia. Further up, further in, further up, further in, where they just go further into the presence and the kingdom of God. And that's what God's call is for you. That's the, that's the goal of the journey. Well, Father, let's just close in prayer. <clears throat> Father, we thank you that you've called us to something amazing, something wonderful, something good. Lord, uh, I pray that everyone here would have a transformation in their understanding of what it means to seek you and the things that may have found, they've found boring or unmotivating. Lord, change the goal. Father, let, give us a God-inspired goal of knowing You and understanding what that means. Father, so each and every one of us can become mature in the ability to reach You. Uh, Father, uh, I pray that we would uh, grow in maturity in every aspect of our lives, but especially in this, this uh, next few months, that we'd come to understand You in a way that, that changes us uh, in every way. Father, we thank You for all these things. In the name of Your Son, the Lord Jesus. Amen, amen.